Hi, everyone. Here we are for another episode of the Sobriety Unleashed podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Ellen. And today we are talking about the key elements to success in sobriety. Uh, This is a great topic because I think leading into the the holidays for everybody and the UK are just about to break up from school. Summer holidays can be a challenging time. So having a sober toolbox that we can keep on digging into to get us through the summer is really, really important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've had a lot of people message about the hot weather, the sunshine. You know, I think actually someone commented on our last um, live podcast episode that we streamed and they said the same thing. All this sunshine is, is triggering. So I think just really feeling equipped so we're kind of taking it back to basics a little bit uh, and making sure we've got all of those foundations in place so that we can not not just survive but thrive in our alcohol-free lives um so and as always we're streaming live on youtube so if you're watching feel free to comment ask any questions and share what's worked for you we'd love to hear you know the the tools that you've got in your sobriety toolbox so what, what were the big tools that worked for you ellen well, Simon, I don't know if you know this, but actually in my long term sobriety, you were a huge, huge resource to me and a, a big driving force into the reason that I stayed sober connection with the community. I didn't even know there was a community out there. I'd kind of toyed with sobriety, kept on going back to alcohol because I didn't think that I needed to give up alcohol. Um, and it wasn't until I connected with you on Facebook and you, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm five months alcohol free. And you, that's brilliant. Join my Facebook group. And joining that completely changed my outlook on sobriety, uh, connecting with other people who loved it, who were thriving in it. And with you, with the coaching sessions, it just it completely changed my outlook. Yeah, I think connection is so, so important. You see those Instagram posts sometimes, don't you? The opposite to addiction is connection. It's, yeah, it's true. It is true. And definitely long term. We sometimes forget we could start off really motivated, don't we? And we forget our reasons why, which is another element I think we need to talk about. But yeah, we forget the reasons why we wanted to give up. So keep on dipping in and out of, of or staying connected and making sure you're talking to people who are on day one or I've got a friend who's 23 years sober um, and yeah, we all have something to learn off each other. So it's really important. It, it changed my sobriety. Yeah. The, and I think you can get that. I call it shiny object syndrome where we sort of buy something new and we become obsessed almost with this new thing and then actually a few months later it's in the cupboard gathering dust you know we've all done that where we've made purchases and I I think it's important not to let sobriety get like that where it's this big exciting thing and then the kind of momentum fades and 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 you sort of lose a bit of interest in it Uh, and so much of that is around probably one of the big things for me which was actually looking at the data I love data and looking at the data of what was actually going on for me and I don't just mean counting the days but actually analyzing how my life was changing without alcohol in it by keeping track of it did you use a mood like a mood tracking app or a a day counting app well I I used the day counting app but kind of I had to (laughs) I had to do it in hindsight because I didn't realize I was giving up alcohol like forever really um I did use the day counting because 30 days when I started my right I'll do 30 days and then I kind of started setting goals and now occasionally I still have a day counter going and I look back on it and see, some people find them really helpful. Some people find them a little bit triggering. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I I still have one on my phone. And I, 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 I even on my four-year 
soberversary last week i didn't even open it i just sort of knew the date so i haven't opened it for months at the start it was really helpful for in my experience but i also think some people just find that they prevent them from feeling truly free and i I understand that they don't want to count the days and in fact judy cook who's been sober for over two years now she she recently said well you know you count the days when you're in prison we're not in prison anymore so why do i want to count the days (laughs) absolutely that's a great way of looking at it um but yeah did you use a mood you i know you tracked your mood most definitely didn't you yeah so there's a couple of really good mood tracking apps that um you can get and I used those for a while, but then I came across something absolutely brilliant. And I recommend this to a lot of people that I work with. It's designed for people who um, have bipolar, which I don't think I have. A few people have said maybe, but anyway, um, and it's called the the beam b-e-a-m beam mood tracker and you can look at if you look on google and just search for the pdf of it you can actually download it and print it off Um, it's so good for sobriety nothing to do with bipolar it works for sobriety and it's this lovely one month chart that you can not only track your mood on you just put an x on what your mood looks like on that day but you can add other things to it and and you can track your hours of sleep you can Mm -hmm. put nutrition nutrition you can put the things that are in your self-care routine and kind of tick off that you've done it that day and I've done that for months and months now it became an alternative to journaling and tracking my mood on apps and things like that Uh, because I think journaling yeah brilliant for the first few months for me but then I just got a bit tired of doing it day in day out and that beam mood tracker was just the best replacement and I keep it on my desk in the office that, that nobody really knows what it actually represents yeah so that I see it every day and I do it every day and this it's just become a habit yeah it's that's really good it's funny you should mention that because I've just pulled out my 2020 diary and I was tracking because my husband has um well now they've diagnosed it something different but at the time it was bipolar and I was tracking his mood with it just um for my own thing so flicking back through the diary of that was really interesting to me today but I did use a, I didn't use a journal I just used the notes thing on my phone and kept on listing all the positives that I was noticing for uh, with sobriety because that was really helpful to me yeah and what I did uh, similar I wasn't putting it on my phone but I I started a website and a blog and I was writing blog posts and just sharing that experience and actually the blog posts ended up being the sort of foundation of my first book the sober survival I love that and the other thing that I've got a client doing um this week is doing a vlog a video blog and she's been talking to herself like and that's such a powerful thing to keep on looking back at because you get that visual as well yeah absolutely I totally agree and I started a YouTube channel not long after same sort of thing yeah and my Instagram that's what that um, I knew that I wanted this this lifestyle but I knew if I wasn't accountable to somebody then it I might not continue with it so that was where my Instagram kind of stemmed from yeah and I think that's one of those key elements of for success in sobriety is asking yourself where am I going to make myself accountable what does that look like and it could be to close family members it could be on youtube it could be on instagram whatever it looks like for you but do ask yourself you know right where am i going to give myself that bit of positive pressure to 
you know, do put my head above the parapet and do what I'm, I say I'm going to do. Yeah, 100%. And I love the way you described it as like a foundation for sobriety. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about like the key elements to success. Because when we're building our, I heard somebody describe it, it's almost like our own rehab. We need to look at what would we want to take? What elements would we want to take from rehab? And how can we use those in everyday life? And doing certain things day to day, daily rituals, if you want to call them, they definitely keep me strong in my sobriety. So for a lot of self-care, yoga, walking, exercise, filling the void um, and things that were important to me, connection um, with with friends as well. Nothing to do with sobriety, but keeping connected with friends and family. Yeah. What, what daily rituals do you do? You make uh, Non-negotiables, I always call them. Yeah. And I actually see and I can answer that really easily because it's on my chart because I know what I need to ensure I'm kind of set for success. And again, it's not really around sobriety, but it's just good for my mood and my overall sense of well-being. And it's very similar on that chart. I track whether I have connection and socialize with people, whether that's going to like my fitness class or whether it's just going to meet some friends I'll I'll make sure I get my sort of weekly dose of that well actually two or three times a week but then also I realized that having breakfast is super important for me if I don't have breakfast I can be a bit cranky mid-morning but I didn't join the dots for a while so I make sure I do that getting out in nature is really important also I have my vitamins every day my fish oil which I believe helps with my mood you know all of these sort of things and I just tick them off my list and make sure I'm doing them and whilst people might not think these are directly related to sobriety the key to long-term sobriety of course emotional triggers are a huge huge factor in long-term sobriety it's overwhelming in the first month but they still keep on coming up don't they in long-term sobriety so anything you can do to be proactive for dealing with those emotions is really really important yeah, totally. And that, that's the thing in those early weeks and months, we're going into the world without that armor of alcohol that we've, yeah, we've worn it for probably decades in most yeah. cases. And suddenly, you know, Annie Grace is this naked mind, but I think we are naked in the world, essentially, and we're having to face up to these feelings and emotions that we've never really fully experienced before. Because no. we've always been, I would just even if something bad happened in my day, I would just think, oh, it doesn't matter. I can drink later. And I would yeah. just use alcohol as a distraction. Yeah, but it doesn't distract really, does it? Because they no. are still sat there somewhere. Yeah, and I would never. And, and actually, then you hold on to that energy, those emotions. You never truly release the anger, the frustration, the shame, whatever it is, because it just stays within. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what people need to be prepared for in early sobriety it can hit you like a wave can't it yeah it it really can and then also I won't get into all the brain stuff but you have kind of dysregulation of GABA which is like the it's like the foot on the brake pedal of our emotions and there can be this period where it feels like someone's kind of cut the brakes emotionally and because alcohol totally disrupts it. And then when we stop drinking it sort of, there's a further period of disruption and we have to allow that to rebalance and to sort of get back in control again. And that, so that can actually create emotional turmoil. And I've seen many people just out of the blue, suddenly they're in floods of tears. They can't understand why. And generally it's down to the GABA regulation kind of getting itself back on track. Yeah. And I think the important thing with that is knowing that it will pass. It will regulate itself. It's just going to take a little bit of time 
yeah, and I think you know, forewarned is forearmed. If you know that that's what's going on, and yep. same with things like pause, post-acute withdrawal syndrome. Yeah, that's a similar thing. It can just catch you out of the blue, and you can wake up. It happened to me. I just woke up one morning. I just felt really down and depressed. And why am I doing this? What's the point? I might as well just drink. And actually, it was pause. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, now I didn't read quickly, but lots of people love it to prepare themselves. I came at it from a slightly different way of I did lots of research into the true effects of alcohol because that's just the person that I am. I, I, I'm very into holistic kind of nutrition. So I would read a lot about the processes that certain foods go through and how they affect our body. And that was what I did about alcohol. Like I started to really, really rationalize and look at it from a, a, a a different standpoint and change my mindset around alcohol and see it what, what it was truly what it was doing to us quickly of course like it does forewarn you of what's possibly going to come doesn't it yeah absolutely I think quickly definitely has its place because a lot of the good books mine included <laughs> <laughs> yours is the only one I've actually read Simon <laughs> oh, that's good going but a lot of the good books I think structured in a way where it sort of takes you on the journey um my how to quit alcohol in 50 days i know i wrote it so i'm biased but it's literally like right today's day one and what's this going to look like yeah what's that process what's that journey and it sort of just gradually holds the hand of the reader and this naked mind is brilliant alcohol explained by william porter's yeah, a fantastic everyone book. tells me how great that is absolutely um and also going moving on and we just were talking about this before the podcast um I was like learning to let go of control for me self-development books have become my I used to hate the thought the term self-help as such an American thing I thought you know it was not something us, us Brits like but they have been so instrumental in keeping me strong and starting to understand why I was doing certain things do you like those yeah, I, I went through a period where I was just reading self-help book after self-help book. And I must admit, I haven't read one for quite a while. I sort of weaned myself. I needed a self-help book to get me off of <laughs> self-help books. Uh, like there should be one. Are you addicted to self-help books? Um, but so, yeah, I've, I've found that they're really, really useful in terms of it felt like every book I read, I had another big breakthrough about myself and understanding yeah. myself better. And I do think as you sort of go through this journey, it is a journey of growth and understanding. And the more you can learn about yourself, the more you're inevitably going to grow. So and if you find yeah. that in a book or on a video or a podcast or whatever, yeah, it's out there it is and I think anything that helps you learn to set boundaries anything that learns um it teaches you how to let go of control or whether you've been people pleasing and how to stop that cycle they're really important when it comes to sobriety I think alcohol has been we've leaned on that on so much when it comes to those elements so anything that can help you in that is really helpful yeah alcohol just blocks you from ever looking at this stuff and then all of a sudden you give yourself the gift of true freedom where you can actually meet this new wonderful person that is you yeah absolutely and what a great it. thing there's loads of comments <laughs> i can see out of um out of my the corner of my eye carolyn's asking about the mood tracker and she said does it have a grumpy old woman mood <laughs> well i hope you're not talking about yourself carolyn because that is absolutely not you <laughs> lisa said i got to two years 
and that anniversary triggered me and I actually started drinking again. I'm trying to get back on track with my sobriety again, which is so frustrating. Connect, 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 come back to the groups. Um, yeah, that, that would be my advice. That has been a game changer for me. And lots of people in my groups are like, oh, we're so grateful for it. And I'm like, no, I'm grateful for it too, because it keeps me strong in my sobriety. Connection is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just trying to gather some data around that two year anniversary, like Ellen said, did did you have connection at the time? Were you part of a group, a community? Did you feel supported and accountable? Yeah. But equally, how did you feel at that point when you drank? Had you got to a place where you'd thought, oh, I can just have one. It's OK. I'm, I'm all right now. I've got this, uh, which tends to be something that trips a lot of people up and just thinking about what you can take into your experience going forward so that that never happens again yeah and looking at those non-negotiables we were talking about in your daily routine that keep you strong in that um where you we all have like busy lives so there's certain things that you can't do day in day out but did you let things slide kind of on that foundation of your non-negotiables and did you let it slide for a certain amount of time that then led to because relapse or a, a stumble tends to be a process it isn't just a, a one-time thing is it I, yeah and non-negotiables on that same point as well so uh, when somebody becomes a christian like an adult they baptize them right mm-hmm. uh, and it's sort of like I, i'm truly a christian now and i think with non-negotiables it felt a bit like that for me Um, Not that I've been baptized, but it felt like a sort of sobriety baptism because you the what I'm trying to say is that you wouldn't get baptized until you felt like, right, I'm really ready for this. I'm truly stepping into it. Yeah, I'm stepping into it. I truly believe it. And my non-negotiables were that I would no longer put alcohol ahead of my wife, ahead of my son. And uh, that sounds kind of simple, but actually for me, it meant. I can't drink. I'm not drinking because any drinking would be putting alcohol ahead of them because I know how I behave with alcohol. So I think, yes, you've got your day to day non-negotiables around self-care and the things that are going to sort of set you up for success. But then I think there's that bigger baptism. I'm not comparing sobriety to religion, (laughs) but that bigger kind of, like you said, stepping into it and saying, do you know what? This is my big non-negotiable. The one that means you know, I don't need alcohol in my life any longer. It's all about, and it's funny because I, we were talking about how it's difficult to let go of control, but taking control back from alcohol, that was my big, I will never let alcohol control me again. Yeah, exactly. And I often use that as an acid test when people say to me, do you think I've got an addiction? It's with anything. It's very simple. Like, are you in control of it or is it in control of you? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very simple with any, any habit or whatever who's in control here yeah yeah um what else have we got so uh shelton said hi everyone i'm four months sober now it's not easy at first but it definitely becomes easier as you go forward absolutely congratulations yeah well done shelton that's awesome four months loving it ashley said accountability and community is number one for me having my sober pals only a message away keeps them in my pocket at all times especially when no one in my personal life is doing alcohol free yeah couldn't couldn't agree more (laughs) absolutely yeah you said it (laughs) i think it is one of the big things I, i also think one of the things that I found really, really helpful was 
like getting myself a wall chart and I had a big year planner. It wasn't actually for sobriety. And I had a, a 365 day wall chart and I kind of committed to myself that I would do some work every day, regardless yeah. of whether I drank or not. That, that wasn't what it was about. It was more about just showing up daily, whether it was posting in a Facebook group, reading a chapter of a book, watching a video. And I just put an X on that wall chart, and built a streak up of doing the work every day. And the, it's a bit like if you went to the gym every single day, you're not worrying about whether you're going to win a triathlon or a bodybuilding competition. You're just showing up daily. And then the results came. The result, yeah, your, your mindset absolutely. changes. It is immersing yourself into it and accepting all the resources that are there for you and being consistent in keep on reaching out to those different resources. Yeah, exactly. And I, and again, it's a question to ask yourself, like, what do I need to ensure I do a little bit of work every day? What what, what would fit with your lifestyle? You know, 10 minutes on the train each day listening to a podcast, or maybe you can commit a bit more time, but kind of making a commitment and, and really owning it, I think is important. Yeah. And Ashley just touched on the fact that like when nobody else around you understands, when you immerse yourself in the sober community, it's so good because you get these natural highs off bouncing off people who are thriving like Carolyn doing her paddle boarding this weekend um, and you see other people taking on things they would have never taken on when they were drinking and they're all of a sudden doing these things and they inspire you to want to be like them so I'm completely immersed in this community and so whoever else comes into it and is drinking it's like that's cool but that's not me and this amazing community that we have yeah exactly and uh, yeah I th that's so true and when you see people especially in the early days there's a few people I can think of and I kind of just wanted to be like them and yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that you know they're yeah. they're honoring your own values one of the other things that really massively helped me and actually this I didn't really get into this until about a year into sobriety was adopting a lifestyle of radical honesty which is quite simply not bending the truth not telling white lies no big lies um, no withholding it doesn't mean sharing all your personal stuff if somebody asks you something personal it's just about being truthful with yourself and truthful mm -hmm. with others and and I know we touched on it before but that really helped me and made me feel so much lighter made life just so much easier you don't realize how much you do it no, that's something to really, really think about. I'm going to think about that going forward this week. Yeah, <laughs> do I do that? Bringing an awareness to it is is just huge, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's a book called Radical Honesty, and there's like a community for people who kind of make this commitment to be radically honest. And when I first sort of started looking at it, I just had it in the context of how I was with other people. And then I had this light bulb moment. Hang on, this is about being ra equally radically honest with myself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing about like the immersion thing. Sometimes it's easy to kind of say, oh, we haven't got time. We haven't got this. Normally it's because we don't actually want change and being honest with like, oh, I want to be like them, but I don't want to put the work in. But we aren't honest with ourselves about it and that is really really difficult it's not until you have someone question like well why don't you want to do that do you truly want that because as I said before we're not special in anything it's just that we've committed to to want to change uh, and if we can do it anybody can do it yeah exactly yeah you know, and I also found myself asking challenging questions you know either through my journal or just once I had that ability to start looking inward and asking myself those radically honest questions. And one of the big ones was like, under what circumstances would I drink? Yep. And I did that quite early on. What would it take 
for me to drink. And I, I sort of visualized a few situations. I, some of my old friends going out with them, I, I think I would have found that really challenging at the start. Yeah. So I made sure, okay, well, if that's a situation where I might drink, I'm not going to put myself in it. No. And what about now? Do you still ask yourself that same question? I don't think there are any circumstances under which I drink other than getting kidnapped, pinned down and someone pouring vodka down my throat. I love that. See, I do. I occasionally because I still go. I still say I'm not drinking right now. And I always follow that up with I can't think of a circumstance like an event that would make me want to drink. No, I can't. Uh, But certainly uh, early doors, and you're probably the same, first few months, there were definitely things that could have derailed me if I hadn't looked after myself. Yeah, 100%. And for lots of people, of course, that's like the summer, the holidays, getting together with certain people, weddings, and you do really need to be honest with yourself about how committed you are to this sober journey. Because if you're committed, maybe avoid those events in in the first few months. Yeah, and that's where you use the fog technique, which we touched on before. Yeah. You know, if if you're feeling like you're saying yes to something through fear, obligation, or guilt, that's when you just need to think, hang on, do I really even want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Am I going for the right reason? Yeah. Keep that in mind all the time with everything that you do, every conversation, anything that you commit to. Am I doing it through fear, obligation, or guilt? Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so important. And this is where you get into that space where you stop people pleasing, you start making choices that fit with your values, your lifestyle, and and you make your own journey easier and lighter. Yeah, 100%. Such a wonderful thing. The other thing that really helped me was planning ahead and actually looking at, okay, right, I I said that question under what circumstances might I drink I also was okay I'm going to this particular social event if I need to leave how simple is that going to be you know I wanted to have an exit strategy who's going to be there who am I going with who's my who's the person I can lean on who knows that I'm alcohol free what are the what do the alcohol free drinks look like I really sort of planned for anything that I was doing but to be honest I avoided social events other than ones with my direct family for a couple of months I think that's um the environmental kind of triggers are the easiest ones to pinpoint aren't they to be aware of are there certain people are there certain places are there certain events that adjust that association with alcohol all the time and why make it so much more difficult for yourself by showing up at those places and seeing those people yeah exactly the the four things that can catch you out you just said a couple of people places situations behaviors yeah and is you know so any of those should be an opportunity to just go okay this is happening whether it's some drama in your life or an invitation somewhere this is happening step back pause and just make some choices around it yeah and put you first that is a big thing when people that I work with I'm like do you ever put yourself first and that's a huge question most people are like huh especially like I work a lot with mums um you know the strong women who hold everything together I'm like when is it about you and what you truly need and what you truly want and that's a question lots of people can't really answer yeah exactly I'm a big fan of the tv show Queer Eye I don't know if you've ever watched that it's brilliant and they basically uh, uh, the team of them go out to people uh, who just do not give themselves any love or any any sort of time for themselves and sort of transform their lives over the space of a few days it's absolutely brilliant you should check it out is it on Um, netflix yeah it is okay i'll have a look i think there's like nine seasons of it i'm still working my way through but and it's exactly the same thing and you see it 
time and time and time again. People get caught up in their work or um, relationships where they're just doing everything for others. And it's just so common. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a fine line between that and being selfish as well. There is. There is. That's a difficult one, especially when you um, don't want to be that selfish person. But it is sticking true to your core values, being kind with people, but setting boundaries. If something doesn't work for you, I, I had someone practicing this week. I'm sorry that doesn't work for me. Let me like let me get back to you with something that works better. You, it has to work for you. You have to kind of put yourself first so that you can give people the best of you rather than the rest of you. That's the, the thing. You, you need to turn up as your best self for people. And sometimes yeah, that I means like putting that. yourself first. And I, I think that another sort of thing to just look at is in sort of anything we're doing in our life, any choices we're making or decisions, whatever, is I said it before, like, does this have kindness and love? at its center and it's you know like drinking alcohol for me definitely wouldn't have kindness and love at its center because it's going to have negative consequences and it's going to be destructive so it's not a kind loving act to myself or to others Uh, and actually just checking in with yourself around the choices you make is this has it got kindness and love at its heart yeah yeah absolutely very simple to do it is it is it that's the thing sobriety it can seem really complicated can't it but actually these things are really simple things and once you change your mindset and mindset is everything in sobriety it's incredibly simple and it feels incredibly easy once you've made that one decision yeah and then everything gets easier you know just thinking of some things now like I used to find it really hard to let go of resentment or forgive people if I felt they'd done done me wrong yeah Uh, and those sort of things now I can see how taking the kind the kind loving approach just makes everybody's life easier and I don't mean that in a way where I'm copping out and just you know oh it's okay walk all over me I'm a doormat sort of way I mean in, in a way where it's truly kind and loving and I can let things go yeah 100% I always think about this as well and talk about this with mums that I work with I'm sure it's the same for men we are taught to be completely selfless when it comes to being a mum but actually is that what you want to teach your children that they once they become parents should put themselves at the bottom of the list or do you want to teach them that actually they still need to take time for themselves because that's what we should be this is a generational thing and them seeing you put yourself first that you are strong in something that is key to the rest of your life is so important it's such a good lesson for them to see yeah and equally funny enough I was talking about this on a coaching call with somebody earlier today equally our kids uh, and this is one of the key elements for success in sobriety not only can they be your biggest cheerleaders but I think your your relationship with them will transform when they not only see you being strong but also see you being vulnerable and I I was talking to this client because he was you know he wanted to kind of keep it all in and perhaps didn't want to talk to them about it and I sort of said well yeah do you want kids who grew up thinking that actually being vulnerable is not the right thing to do yeah they see their dad being vulnerable and they can see that it's okay to be vulnerable yeah and I think that's a wonderful quality to have and of course he said no I want my kids to be vulnerable and open when they need to be yeah yeah, they they learn that they they lead by example yeah lead by example they just follow what we do not what we say absolutely I couldn't have put it better myself yeah and uh, that yeah that is so true um Ashley said, Queer Eye is the most feel-good show around. There you go. <laughs> I'll be watching that tonight then. <laughs> oh, you need to. <laughs> Definitely watch it. Okay. 
it's yeah it's such a great show um so what else, what else is there that's on the um on the the key things we talked about self-care connection journaling we talked about looking at beliefs last week which is absolutely critical and i think that's sort of one of the first things like are my beliefs really true showing up daily planning ahead another thing celebrating victories and milestones i think that's important yeah 100 and um keep on noticing all the benefits keep on listing down all the benefits that you see your sober sleep your sober skin your uh, you know all those things that that you're noticing bring an awareness to them because we don't we as you say we lose uh, it the shininess of sobriety but keep on noting them down and revisiting your reasons why yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the things that really helped me was putting a photo on my phone that re- that reminded me of why I don't drink. Yeah. But if anyone else saw it, it wouldn't mean anything to them. It's just a picture of my son and I in Tokyo. And it was yeah. a time when alcohol was still in charge. And yeah, there were things I did on that trip that I kind of regret. And I put booze before him. So that picture just reminds me in a way where nobody else would know what it would mean so I think having something that can just reinforce your choice is important yeah and something visual is really strong yeah yeah it really is yeah and then also going back to non-negotiables I mentioned before a guy I know who has a video on his phone and he said if I ever ever make the choice that I think I'm going to drink I'm going to watch this video and it's him drunk he feels a lot of shame around this video and he said yeah. I know that if I watch that video it's enough enough to put me off yeah and mine's the same with I have like a before and after photo and I just remember how I felt about myself I just have to see that photo and think mm. and as I said before to the outside world I kind of had everything um but the feeling of me in my own skin was awful whereas now to the outside world my life's kind of falling apart but the peace that I feel within my own skin and the person I am is so so strong and if you think about it imagine if you'd been through this relationship turmoil when you were drinking what that would have looked like I can't even imagine it I really really can't not being able to stay true to my core values because alcohol doesn't allow me to do that doing irrational things rather than being able to reflect on something and come back with a rational response showing my kid again we go back to the kids showing the kids that you know what some days I am down but it's okay to be down and I say to them I'm down but I know tomorrow is going to be better it's okay to feel like this being able to guide them through and showing them that you can do that alcohol free I'm so grateful for my sobriety at this time yeah absolutely I mean it's yeah it's almost like it was meant to be in that order yeah, absolutely. I, I seem to have got my shit together ready for me to be able to cope with this uh, this uh, turmoil. Yeah, exactly. And everybody who quits drinking says the same thing. You know, when drama happens, problems come up. Yes, there's still problems. It's still drama, but it's not the same level on the Richter scale. No, absolutely. And it's like adding fuel to the fire, isn't it, with alcohol? Yeah in a big way um shelton said during my first days i suffered a lot from trauma and anxiety so during my yeah during my first sober days i suffered a lot from trauma and anxiety i think people must also be told and taught how to deal with it because i started to remember all the bad things that i did before and i had to learn to live in the moment and accept my past yeah i think this would be a great topic for us to um cover actually is learning to let go of past behaviors uh, and um yeah and events yeah it it really is i put a video on youtube this week around dealing with past mistakes and moving beyond that um but shelton's also right 
so many of us drink without even realizing it to, to just avoid those past traumas, emotional upset, things that we've carried from when we were young into adulthood. And then suddenly you have to face it. Raw. You do. Yeah. And it, again, it hits you like a tidal wave, but it's so good. It's so powerful to actually deal with them and deal with them head on. Yeah, it is. Because all, essentially all we're doing is leaving that stuff to just fester in the dark and grow like this horrible emotional mold. Yeah. When we face into it, we shine a light on it and it's, it can't grow anymore. We can then do the work to remove it, get rid of it, address it, yeah. move past it, live in the moment and be free of it. Yeah. And I think for anyone that doesn't, that thinks that that is not true, think about if somebody annoys you and you don't address it and, and, but you hold on to this kind of resentment and then they do little thing by little thing and you've never addressed what actually happened in the first place. And then they'll do something really tiny and you completely blow your top at them. Yeah. It's because actually you never addressed what happened in the first place. It's not that one tiny thing they did. And every emotion is the same. If we don't feel it and work through it, then it just sits there and it builds and it builds and it builds. It's so true. There's some interesting stuff online about peptides, which kind of carry the emotions and how they can hang around and like live in us in a negative way. But when you do what you just said, which is fully process the emotion, the peptides kind of fall away. So it, it's kind of all about just allowing yourself to go through the whole process. I, I'm not an expert on it, so I'm not going to say that I am. Um, Ashley said, yeah, that's a great topic for another episode. My shame kept me drinking. But once I stopped, I was able to cope and move forward. Yeah, yeah, I de but definitely next week. <laughs> oh, and the lovely Selena's here. I haven't seen you for a while, Selena. Nice to check in and see and hear your positivity towards sober life. Sober life rules. Yeah, well, <laughs> Selena knows that. She's doing great Fantastic. up there in the northeast of England. I bet it's not as warm up there as it is. There. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to make a, a northern joke by then I thought, no, I'm it's totally wrong. Yeah, there was a little silence there where you were going to crack. Something. I was like, I know, no, no. Right, there we go. <laughs> oh, it's good to see everybody, and um, we'll keep doing the podcast on YouTube and streaming it because it's sort of becoming a, a really nice thing where people can interact live. Um, and ask questions and share this you know really nice getting to see people coming back and yeah. hearing how they're getting on as well so so cool love it yeah absolutely love it so we'll be back again next week see you all soon bye bye <laughs>